0: what's going on fcs football fans you are listening to the fcs opening drive podcast presented by the connecticut school of broadcasting and football game plan i am david Hasshagen. To my left, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emory Hunt. Emory, good morning.
1: Good morning, sir. How's it going?
0: Oh, you know, just drying out from what has been a really wet weekend. It's supposed to rain all week up here in the Northeast, folks. It's going to be absolutely brutal. I mean, we, we practically had to swim to the studio at this point. Oh, my God. It's, right.
1: It's so ridiculous. It's
0: just absolutely nuts. And all the traffic came back. I don't know if you noticed that, but everybody is back in New York City. Go away.
1: Everybody forgets how to drive, to Take- in the rain.
0: What's this stuff falling from the sky? What should I do different? It's rain. Just drive normally and don't be stupid. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, folks, this is Pioneer League Week here on the FCS Opening Drive Podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about every team in the Pioneer. Uh, a couple, you co- have a coaching change. We've got a team moving out of the league. You know, we'll see what we go from there. Uh, we'll be talking about the problem of non-scholarship football in D1. We'll be talking about. Should the Pioneer expand, or is it time for a brand new conference? Emory will have all sorts of details on that. And, of course, we'll get into the big games and, of course, our hot takes. Uh, We'll see how hot we can make it for the Pioneer League. I mean, if you say there's going to be multiple teams out of the Pioneer like you did for the Patriot, I'm going to just walk out of the studio. If
1: this was maybe four or five years ago, probably you could make a case for – because normally it was coming down to the last weekend with Dayton and San Diego. Uh, So those teams were obviously the two ones that – You could have made a case, but now it does get interesting because I feel as though there's a lot of parody
0: in the Pioneer League. I would agree, and we will get into that. But again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of the the previous podcasts, going back from last year with the Patriot last week with the Patriot League to the CAA to the Missouri Valley Football Conference, MIAC, wherever you want to go, don't forget you can go onto iTunes. And SoundCloud to search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. You can listen to all of those on demand. You can also don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FCS Opening Drive, at FCS Kickoff, and at F Ball Game Plan for my man Emery over there, and don't forget to go to youtube.com/slash Football Game Plan for all sorts of previews on the FCS and FootballGamePlan.com. Emery's got everything going up from FCS to NFL. He's doing his NFL previews. He's getting a lot of hate mail. I don't know. You know he's, he's,
1: Apparently, the Vikings and Lions are going to the NFC Championship game, according to their fan base.
0: Well, Of course they are. What do you mean? Not, you're saying they're not right? Apparently, Kirk Cousins is Johnny Unitas. Let's leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> before we get more hate mail on the podcast with <laughs> the right. Pioneer League. Let's get into the Pioneer League though, Emory, and let's talk about the year that was, 2017 and it was dominance again though last year for the Toreros of San Diego. 8-0 in the conference, 10-3 and overall. Pulled another upset in the uh, first round of the playoffs, knocking off Northern Arizona before they uh, uh, I don't know what happened against North North Dakota State. I, I, I could have sworn no, somebody said they had a chance in that game. I don't yeah, know who are, that you was. You were definitely high that day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that was, uh, but then uh, last year, as you said, a lot of parity in this league. Though from after from the number two spot down, uh, Drake finished second with a six and two record in conference. Uh, Jacksonville, Campbell, and Valpo all with five and three records. Butler and Dayton at four and four, right around the five hundred mark. Uh, Marist, Morehead, Stetson, and Davidson rounding out the field, but very very even conference in the middle here, and it really. It, it makes every week exciting in the Pioneer League. As much as you know, people trash it for not being quality, and it might very well be the lowest you know conference in terms of strength. But certainly it's it's entertaining, and it's going to be an even game every ball game.
1: Well, you know what's interesting about those comments that people tend to make about the Pioneer? When you talk about the Miak and SWAC and their ineptness in the FCS playoffs, the last two years, the Pioneer has won games in the playoffs. Yeah, You exactly. talk about under man, under uh funded or what have you if 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 that's the case or if that's the right term to use. But you're talking about a team that has advanced to the second round of the playoffs every year when you know conferences that offer scholarships like the Miac and SWAC couldn't get past the first round um for almost two decades. So I think or maybe that's well, yo know, yeah those two conferences. I'm thinking of Tennessee State but then the OVC when they beat Butler right. in the playoffs. But shout out to the Pioneer League. And also if we look at Drake a couple years ago, right. uh, well, let's say two years ago, um, Eric Salbert not only gets an invite to the East-West Shrine game, gets drafted. You have uh, Ross Dwelly of San Diego, who was signed with the 49ers g- going into their training camp last phenomenal year. Phenomenal player. Yeah, phenomenal player. And speaking of phenomenal player, 2016 – I'm sorry, 2000, yeah, 2016 draft, or last year's draft. So that was a 2017 draft. Yep. Uh Jamal Agnew out of San Diego gets drafted by the Detroit Lions and goes on to become a, an all-pro as a rookie. Yep. So people can say what they want about the Pioneer League, but we just saw draftable talent either get drafted, make the team, and have an impact. So the Pioneer League is is unique. To me, it's a lot like the it's not as strong as the Ivy League. Right. Same situation, same scenario. This is still Division I football. You have to be a Division One talent to play. And that's, you know, I think over the last three years, we've seen the uptick in talent increase as more kids are being wise about their choices of where they want to play college football. They want to play D1. Pioneer offers an opportunity, great education at a lot of these institutions. And they're going there, choosing to go there. And that's why we've seen the talent and the parity kind of increase with this league.
0: And you talk about, you know, and especially with San Diego, they've been the, the class of this league for a long, long time. Right. But two years ago, they knocked off Cal, a good, really good Cal Poly team. And then people are going to say, oh, Cal Poly, they were terrible last year. Oh, obviously, that, that's, you know, that proves my point. Look back at that Cal Poly team for 2016 and tell me that was a bad team. Right. And they beat them 35-21. Look
1: at how they dominated Northern Arizona. They, that's a big sky opponent.
0: They crushed Northern Arizona in the playoffs. They, I mean, you had a highlight reel catch in the corner of the end zone. They're throwing all over them. But no, they're just a terrible conference from top to bottom. They beat them 41-10. Yeah, they they beat the breaks off North Dakota. 41-10. Arizona. Then they into a dome in North Dakota and something happened. And to be but, honest, yeah.
1: 2 years ago when they when they had that same scenario when they went to North Dakota uh to play the Bison, they had an opportunity, you know, but again, North Dakota State is just too big, too strong, too deep. Right. Uh, and that ended up taking over that game and, and running him out the stadium. And it happened last year as well. But last year's team wasn't like the 2016 squad that had a legit shot. Um, you know, they were they were in that game for a little bit, but they yeah. just couldn't push it through. And so, again, I'm not going to say that this is not a, a bad league. I mean, hell, Campbell had, uh, you know, a couple of guys had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh, you know, Milhouse right. was the guy that was I was trying to talk about the last time that was with the Giants for a little bit he's playing up in Canada but now you see Campbell move out of the Pioneer and go into the big south right but this league is still good from top to bottom jacksonville has is another team uh you talk about the wide receiver uh, i want to say his last name is jones who was with the cowboys he ran that blistering 40 time right. tested athletically through the through the roof mm-hmm. um and got an opportunity and is still with the with the cowboys i want to say his name is alex jones so we've seen this 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 league produce NFL talent. We've seen this league be competitive on a national scale. And we've seen this league just sort of fight its way back from being known as just a San Diego and Dayton league and sometimes Butler to now you have to talk about everybody.
0: And you talk about uh, Campbell's, you know, moving out to the big South. I think honestly, that probably adds more parity to this league because Campbell last year, midway through the season, they looked like they were the team to beat in this conference. They kind of fell off at the end of the year. Um, but they were right in the middle of the pack. They finished fourth, but you take away a couple of those wins, and now all of a sudden you're adding them to a Jacksonville or a Drake or a Valparaiso, and it just adds even more parity to this league. And when you, in terms of the Pioneer League, when you think about what kind of football, you know, people are like, what kind of, you know, because every conference kind of has its brand. Right. What kind of football are you going to expect? You know, you expect, you know, good defense out of the CAA and the, you know the Patriot League, for the most part, you know most years you expect high flying offense out of the Southland. The Pioneer League is very much one of the old school leagues because it still relies a lot on the running back talent in this league. You had four one thousand yard rushers in this conference last year, so why does why does this kind of football? Why is they why do they still go back to the running back play?
1: I think you hit the nail on the head with the running back play, and just from a philosophy standpoint as a whole. Um, cause they want to shrink the ball game and make it a, a you know, a close game to where you give yourself a chance at the end. Now I think also from top to bottom, you see a little bit of everything. Yeah. You see San Diego be able to spread you out and air it out. Uh, more of a pro style passing attack. As far as a pro spread look, uh, Jacksonville runs the football with that option. Um, now Davidson with who it coach Abel and Lex Vegas coming to Davidson. I'm oh, excited boy. about that. We'll get to him in a second. Yeah, they're going to run the football as well. Um, you know Dayton is a little bit balanced, uh, Valpo balanced. Campbell was you know a little bit of uh, balance. So I think and and we know Butler can run the football as well too. So I think you're right. The run game is is prevalent. They build along both sides of the line of scrimmage, which is why a lot of these games are competitive and close. Um, but yeah, you have to be able to run the football. But we also see that old school approach on. You know we're going to be balanced. We're going to throw the football a lot. Teams can throw the ball in this league, but they also can run the football. Maris has great strength on both sides of the line of scrimmage yep. um coach parity does a great job up there recruiting and developing talent so i'm i'm excited about the pioneer league because they do have you get a little bit of everything when you watch these teams play
0: exactly and let's talk about some of the returning players and we're going to start with san diego and they've got really a, a an incredible threat both in the passing and the running game and it starts with senior quarterback anthony lawrence going back for his final year returning offensive player of the year last year And it's easy to see why. 31-31 in terms of yards, 33 touchdowns, 3 picks. That's crazy. 3 picks and over 30 touchdowns. And we saw it. I mean, in the playoff game, this kid can absolutely ball from San Diego. So going to be a guy to watch. And then the sophomore running back, Emilio Martinez, 10 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards rushing as a freshman. We saw three true freshmen last year in the Pioneer League run for 1,000 yards. And Martinez is one of them, but these two guys are going to be the key factors for San Diego continuing their dominance.
1: Lawrence is, is a phenomenal passer, and San Diego again. You go back to this is before your time. I want to say this was two thousand seven or eight when we were we had just started football game. I th- for- how, how young do you think I am? Where were you in two thousand seven or eight? Two thousand seven or eight? Uh.
0: Okay. You were in high school, right? Fair point. Freshman <laughs> so, high school. All right, fair enough. Go. Freshman. Oh, my God.
1: All right. So we just started football <laughs> game planning 07. Um, And so we were preparing for the 2008 NFL draft. And, you know, I was doing my little research, and I was like, wait a minute. this Maybe this is a misprint. But there's this quarterback at San Diego that threw 43 touchdowns and one pick. <laughs> and, and coached by Jim Harbaugh. Yep. And I'm like, Yo, what the hell is going on? Like? And I had to go and double-check on the website, like, let me make sure it's not a, a misprint. No, one pick. And they throw the ball downfield, and that was Josh Johnson, um, who's still playing in the NFL. And so when you see Lawrence put up these numbers, you're not surprised because he was a, a freshman starter. Now you want to see how he's going to do this year with, uh, without Ross Dwelly at tight end. Right. Uh, but they do have the running game. And if – you know, I, I've said this before. If you're known for certain things – you tend to be well stocked in that area. So let's say if San Diego is known known for throwing the football, producing good quarterbacks, you have to believe that they're going to be well stocked with receivers and tight ends that can step up and and, and take the the reins. And I, I think that's going to happen. So it wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some consideration for the Walter Payton because mm-hmm. the, the the numbers will be there at least to start with. Right. Exactly. He's going to be on a watch list. Uh. But I'm excited to see what they can do from a passing
0: game standpoint. And, and as you said, Ross Dwelly leaving—that's a—that's a major, major loss for them. So it'll be interesting to see where they, because they really didn't have too many wide receivers that put up big numbers. If you look at them in terms of a yard standpoint, um, as you said, much more of a pro style offense. You're not going to get many game breakers that are gonna go, you know, get. They 40 spread the and, wealth. Yeah, they spread the wealth. They don't go for forty and fifty yard passes. They hit you with a ten yard pass and then just move on, um, which has made them just so some would say annoying uh, in this league Uh, let's talk about another one of the returning running backs though and that's Wesley Duggar and you talked about Davidson new coach they were winless in the conference last year but Wesley Duggar eight touchdowns over 1100 yards on the ground as a true freshman he's back for his sophomore year the uh, sophomore from Henrico Virginia Duggar is going to be another guy that's going to be a key part of this offense this year
1: Duggar might lead the the conference in rushing yeah because with his talent in conjunction with Scott able to hit the new head coach coming from Washington and Lee yep, and that Lex Vegas offense and that misdirection option game, he's going to have so much room to run through. Right. And, and so that's going to help Davidson because that was one of their issues last year. They couldn't really score solid on defense. You know, they were able to right. to hold their own a little bit, but when your offense goes three and now you can't really push the ball down the field. Um, your defense is going to get tired, and you're going to give up points. But that defense is actually pretty good, uh, and and I think now that you've added an offensive minded head coach, right? That's going to run the football, little option game, something similar to what we see Jacksonville do. I think Davidson is going to be the surprise
0: team in the Patriot. I'm mean not Patriot, the Pioneer League. And make their way up the standings. You mentioned that defense. Bryce Perry Martin back for his junior season. He had 15 tackles for loss out of 57 tackles last year. That's a pretty good percentage. Yeah, uh, that's living behind. That's that's setting up shop behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Let's talk about another team that is was under the radar last year, but it's got some pretty good talent coming back, and that's Valparaiso. Um, You know, a team that you know, first of all. Coolest college name in the Pioneer League by far, Valparaiso. Yeah. I mean, you can't get around, away from that. But shout out to Bryce Drew. They've got two returning tack, two returning uh, linebackers that had over a hundred tackles last season in True and Nick Turner. Um, that's going to be a key for them because they were in a lot of ball games last year too. Went five and three uh, in conference play. Ended up only going sixty six and five overall. But Valpo's defense could be something to reckon with. I like Jimmy Seawall, the quarterback coming back, and I
1: think True. you know with him coming back and those linebackers that you mentioned. Valpo may be the team to definitely keep an eye on. I'll save that for
0: the hot take section. How about that? He's going to do it, folks. He's (laughs) going to put two teams in the playoffs out of the Pioneer League. i tell
1: you what, though. If their defense can continue to progress the way they did last year, in conjunction with the offense getting better with the junior quarterback, Valpo looks good. Coach Cicchini has done a great job. Got the contract extension. Shout out to him. Because that's one of those jobs that you kind of thought Valpo would never win. You really can't win there. It's just not a good program. Uh, Maybe they should drop football. Mm -hmm. All those things you've heard about Valpo football over the years got them
0: back on track to where they were actually exciting to watch down the stretch. Fun fact, Valpo had the number three total offense in the conference last year behind San Diego and Campbell. Quietly. So they've got the offensive firepower. If the defense steps up a little bit more... Watch out for Valparaiso. Um, let's get into the coaching change, though. You you mentioned it before, and you're you're very excited about the guy that, yes. that uh, the Davidson Wildcats have brought in after uh, Paul Nichols' contract was not renewed. Scott uh, Abel coming in, the head coach of Washington and Lee, the Generals. And you are v- <laughs> I have not seen you this excited about a coaching change in a in a, the last few weeks. It's been eh. You know, he's a, you know he's a good coach. He's going to do whatever. This guy was jumping out of his chair when Scott Abel's name came up. So what about this guy you mentioned, Lex Vegas? Explain for the people that don't know what the hell you're talking about. First of all, Scott Abel's a great guy, number
1: one. Um, when he was at Washington and Lee, I remember when, cause You know, we do these football game plan universities. And if you want to check out the interview in its entirety, go to com slash FBGPU to check out the interview with myself and Scott Abel. There it is. Look. Plug, yeah, right. Uh, so, first of all, he's a great, great dude, great guy. This was a Saturday when I met him. I was in Virginia uh, doing uh, – I was in North Carolina making my travels to all the different schools and coaches. Mm-hmm. And I, I was on the last leg of my trip before I flew out. And this was the day I was flying out. And I reached out to Coach Abel, and I was like, you know, this is a Saturday morning. I know it's, I hate to do this. it's a Saturday. You know, would you mind coming in if you can? He's like, yeah, not a problem. So, we met early Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. It was a rainy day. Um, but we sat there and we just talked ball and and I was I was always impressed with the Washington and program because of how historic it is, mm-hmm. you know, because they played in the Sugar Bowl, I believe, or the Orange Bowl. Um, you know, just a real historic football program before we start to get separated into divisions, right? And they're right down the street from VMI, um, so they're in Lexington, Virginia. Shout out to the Keydets. Exactly. There you go.
0: The key debts, right? I've seen them play actually. I went down there and saw a game there one time, and they actually won that game.
1: Option football. <laughs> Option football. And and so, when I was asking coach about, uh, you know, just his philosophy and, and things of that nature, he was talking about how he plans to attack a team and how he goes into. And I knew Washington. I knew going in, Washington and Lee was one of the top teams in Division Three as far as offense is concerned. Mm-hmm. And hearing him just. Break down what he was gonna do this season or how he goes about doing it. It was remarkable. And a lot of stuff we didn't put on film or right. on video because you know it's just a, you know us talking and, and going through it. And I was like, man, this is this is phenomenal. I, I wish I could play in this offense. And and it's funny because I just automatically assume you know you 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 see so much news come come on your feed yep. uh, throughout the off season to where you miss some things. And I, I I saw Coach Nichols, uh, who's a great, great coach himself, uh, who actually played at Davidson, I believe. I saw Coach Nichols' uh, contract wasn't going to be renewed. I just never saw who Davidson brought in. And then, you know, I saw Coach Abel, uh, you know, tweet out something, and I saw, like, Davidson. I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, oh, snap. Like, this is perfect. Yeah. And I was like, man, so they gave the – so he took the job at Davidson – and I know what the talent they have on that roster, because Coach Nichols did a great job in recruiting. The offense that he's bringing in, he call it he, they call it Lex Vegas because obviously in Lexington, Virginia, right. Um, but it's a it's a big they, they treat it like a big city, right? And so that's where the Lex Vegas comes from. Um, they're you know, they they're down the street from VMI, like I said. But his offense, in conjunction with this talent at Davidson. The, the running game is going to go through the roof. They may be the top rushing team, I believe, in the league this year. And so I just love to hire because he's a great dude, genuine guy, a great coach, um, phenomenal coach, and has been for a long time. So he has a track record of success. And I like to see good things happen to good people because he's taking a jump from Division 3 non-Skali, obviously, uh, with Washington. Maybe Washington at least should be joining the Pioneer. And then <laughs> – and then goes to Davidson, and I think he's going he's gonna to do great things
0: uh, with the Wildcats. Well, he's you – know, I mean, talk about Washington and Lee and how good he is offensively. They had a decent defense because in the first round of the playoffs this year, they held mighty Mount Union to 21 points. Yeah, they struggled. They struggled. Granted, Washington Lee also got shut out, so that shows you how good Mount Union is. Right. But this is a coach that, at the Division Three level, could get a team up there so that they're not just making the playoffs – they're taking Mount Union and giving them a couple of headaches. So Mount
1: Union is not supposed to be able to go toe to toe with Washington
0: and Lee. To put it into perspective, folks, the next game, Mount Union won 45 16, and then they won 70 37. Exactly. Like as you progressed in the playoffs. So that tells you how good Washington and Lee was on that day, at least. Um, so hopefully, we, you know, obviously we wish Scott, uh, Scott Abel, uh, Coach Abel, a lot of luck at Davidson. Obviously, it's a bit of a rebuilding process there, but if there's anybody that can do it, He's probably the one that can do it, and as you said, going from a non-scholarship Division three program he gets it. to a non-scholarship Division one program, it's only an upgrade for him. He knows what to do. He just Bingo. needs to go from there.
1: And and, uh, and to, to 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 add to that point, um, the state of Virginia, as far as high school football, you know, yeah, and you just making almost what can be considered a lateral move, maybe a maybe not as. Uh, rich as Virginia as far as high school football talent, but it's not that far off. You know how many teams yeah. are, are eating off the Charlotte, uh, Winston-Salem, uh, Durham area as far as Raleigh area as far as high yeah. school fo- uh, you know, college football is concerned? Hell, you have three schools in the triangle, Division One programs, FBS programs that are legit good because of their ability to recruit the state. So yeah. he's going to a, a spot where he can recruit in-state. We see Campbell have success. Yep, they're going to have success as well, and then he can just slip into Virginia and steal a few recruits off of there. The the uh, especially that he's going to have to fight uh, with Virginia Tech, who's not that far away from from Lexington, but Virginia Tech competing with Davidson for recruits. Nah, nah. I don't. I, I think your point being, <laughs> he's going to have
0: an. Opera, he's going <laughs> to be competing. He's going to be going toe to toe with VMI. I believe VMI. I can believe. Let's move on. Let's talk about more about this. Though we mentioned, you know, obviously Pioneer is non-scholarship football. They right. are not. They are not the only non-scholarship conference. Bingo. In Division One in the FCS level, but let's talk about what kind of a problem. If you're an athletic director and you're sitting there at Marist or Morehead State or Valpo or Butler, what kind of a problem does that? What kind of problems does that pose as a program trying to, you know, obviously provide? you know, Division One football, but not being able to provide scholarships to athletes. What kind of problems do you think that, fa- you know, does that face for them?
1: I, you know what? I, I really don't know the exact answer to that. I think it's probably more along the lines of the funding. Um, I think it's probably, probably a benefit to the sustaining of these programs to not offer scholarships. Because mm-hmm. think about it. You, that's 65 at the FCS level. So you have right. to offer that, you know, um, that sixty-five scholarships for these schools, that, and you know how college tuition cost is right now, um, right? So, but to to have, I think it's it's called the Dayton rule. I mean, Dayton started it with the, um, you know, if you want to be D one in one sport, you got to be D one in all sports, right? Because um, I think at first Davidson, I'm well, not Davidson, Dayton, Dayton wanted to. Remain D three in football, but D one in basketball. They're premier basketball program in the A ten. Uh, so this is this is this was created out of that rule, the the Dayton rule. Um, but I think for a program to be able to sustain Division one football, you see Presbyterian do it. Yeah, they're going to move down to the Pioneer or move over to the Pioneer League uh, because the rising cost of scholarships because of tuition costs. Which is going
0: to be a nice addition by the, to the league by the way. Right.
1: It, it, and it it kind of gives a more of an eastern branch too. South Carolina right. now, you have the North Carolina schools there, the Kentucky schools. Um the only one that's a little bit out the way is San Diego, they're by themselves. Right. But I do think this is a sustainable model for football. Um with the rising cost of everything. And I I think that's why I'm I'm of the mindset that they can expand actually. Yep. If if programs, let's say out west, are looking to, you know, a lot of a lot of schools want to start football. You see all the time these feasibility studies that are being funded by these universities because they want to start football. Right. Just got to figure out how to pay for it. This is a model that allows you to be D one, allows you to be competitive. We talked about the the playoff success and the pros that that go from the Pioneer League. So this model is definitely one to. To, to be looked at for schools that are looking to start football and like Campbell, you go, okay, this is how we're gonna start, and okay we yep. we we have funding now or we we can find funding, we're a good enough program right it's- and we can kind of move over to scholarship football right. I think this is a, a great model. I think this is probably the best, yeah you know this in Ivy League obviously, but Ivy League has like vats of money. They right print exactly. money you know exactly that's yep. the, the treasury department you know <laughs> but the pioneer league i think it's a sustainable model for school so that's why i'm looking out west and like you know san diego is out there by themselves so they have to factor in the travel costs they can't bus nowhere
0: yeah yeah that, that's it's a it's a rough travel schedule for the uh it's a headache for the ad at san diego that's for sure so let's let's before we get to that though i just i do want to make one other point in addition to that is that you know, obviously coming I went to a D three school where right. you know obviously the only scholarships are academics. You look at the roster for Springfield College and a majority of the kids are regionalized. You know, you have a lot of Massachusetts kids, obviously, Connecticut, you get the occasional, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, New Jersey. So I think what you see is you do get good support for the schools in this league because a lot of the kids are still relatively local. In the time of, you know, Division One where North Dakota going down. You know, North Dakota State's going down and getting kids from Florida and Texas, and you have the CAA that can recruit nationally. This is a league where a lot of the schools they're not really getting too far out of their own comfort zones in mm-hmm. terms of recruiting players and getting them to come here. And I don't want to call it a last resort because it certainly isn't. But you have you get a good support for these programs. It's just a question of. Can they raise the money from that support for, you know, people that are coming to support their neighbors, really? You know, supporting their neighbors, supporting people they, you know, have seen in other towns or they, you know, grew up playing against or whatever that happens to be. So I think that's another part of the non scholarship football landscape that kinda gets lost is that the local support is there. The local support is not like you don't you know lose out on crowds because it's non scholarship football. It's still D one and you're still gonna get the quality. But let's talk about what you what you brought up there for a second and you you talked about Starting out west. Now, I want to let, let's have this discussion too because, from what you've said, there are two really options on the table. You either expand the Pioneer League to have a western division, or you restart the WCC out west as a non scholarship league. Which do you think is the better option at this point? Do you want to see the Pioneer League expand so San Diego has a little bit of company out there on the west coast, or do you want to see a brand new league pop up that's non scholarship out on the west coast? Here's I, I can give you a, a
1: reason for both. We were at I, I want to say there was a time when the Pioneer League had a championship game. So expanding the Pioneer League and having an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference mm-hmm. to create a championship game, a la SWAC, right? You know, makes sense, right? Because right. you get more football, uh, you get the crown of a true champion. You know, you could probably create a bowl game. I believe hmm. they used to have a bowl game too. Bowl game, yeah. Think about like that. that. See how it like always comes words. back to a bowl game, right? I like those words together. And you know, our team can go to get to the playoffs. Um, you know, runner up goes to the go to goes to the play, playoffs, or maybe goes to the bowl game, and right. the champion goes to the playoffs. So I, I can see that. I can also see create a new West Coast League um, because if we look at here right now, I was just doing it. I was just writing this down. You got two teams in Florida with Jacksonville and Stetson. Stetson. You have team in Ohio and Dayton, which is nearby Indiana and Kentucky, so you have that region right there you with got Butler
0: Mo- in Indianapolis. you got uh, Morehead
1: state, yep you know in Kentucky. Maris is kind of by itself in in upstate New York. yep um, North Carolina with, with Davidson. Um, where is Drake? is Drake is in is that Indiana or Illinois? Drake is in Iowa actually. They're, at, in, they're in Des Moines oh well there you have it so <laughs> now you have so you have the Ohio you have the big Ten essentially, but you got Valpo in Indiana as well right so. and so you got that area um but out west I mean out west and up north and yeah. so think about it and we were just we talked let's say if you want to create a a tri division mm-hmm. north southeast yeah you know you can or quad north south east midwest because uh, up here you have schools like that used to have football, Iona, Siena, yep. Canisius, you know, those don't offer football anymore. This is uh, Fairfield in Connecticut. All that is perfect for Maris. Yeah. You know. Hofstra. Um,
0: yeah. It almost sounds like you, it, you could almost create two new conferences.
1: Two new conferences, right, Of yeah. four, you know, and, and, and really have more football. Out west, we talked about this before with the whole West Coast Conference uh, deal with. San Francisco, Portland, uh, Cal Northridge. Right. You know, if we just got word that over the weekend at Humboldt State, the Division II program is going to drop football again, and mm. um, uh, next year they can't yep. have they can't find the funding. California has had problems with this before. Pacific, we saw them drop football uh, in '96.
0: And there's plenty of D1 talent out there when you look at the number of JUCO schools. Bingo. Out in the West Coast, that these kids play for a year, maybe two, and then they go D1. Like, it, it, there's, it's not like there's a lack of D1 talent and there's, like, there's just nowhere for them to go. Even if
1: you want to just add a program closer to San Diego, Long Beach State yeah. used to have football. Um, Cal State Fullerton used to have football. And all these were D1 programs. So, yeah. like I said, Pacific was one. So you could really create some more teams or create some more programs. Non-scholarship could be the way to go for these squads because, again, everybody wants football at their university. And uh, yeah. another reason why is because it gets more bodies in beds. I hate to use that, that um, uh, saying, but that's what they call it. You're getting more men on campus, adding to your student population, uh, increasing the men population. Cause women right now are going, are in college more than, than men. Right. Um,
0: Which is why you're seeing the drop of the sports because of, you know, some title nine issues.
1: Right. You know, and it's always tricky with that. So I would say this is an opportunity for teams that – for schools that want to start football, here's a, here's a way you can do it. And we're seeing it done at the Division three level. Every year you're seeing maybe like five to six universities starting football, and they're starting at Division three. Right. So if you want to play D1, if, especially if you have a program, like, again, like a Long Beach State, like a Fullerton, like a UC Santa Barbara, um, Cal State Northridge, Pacific, you got D1 basketball. San Francisco. You D1 have, Baseball. You got D1 Baseball. Non-scholarship Pioneer League football could help you really elevate the profile of your program. I think it could be done. And like you said, you could create maybe two to three different conferences of non-scholarship football, which makes it well, makes yourself now available to have a bowl game for non-scholarship. Say you create four separate Pioneer Leagues. I
0: think we're on the same brain wave here.
1: Bingo. And now you have a true... Champion,
0: you have Pioneer, WCC, this new Northeast Conference, and the Ivy League champion play each other in a fourteen playoff. There you go. The non-scholarship conferences all play each other. Bingo, that's championship.
1: Boom. There Did we Did we just come up with another Craig? If you, Craig Haley of Stats
0: FCS Stats, please listen.
1: If you're listening, Craig, <laughs> break this down too. Tell us where where, where we what we're missing. Um, the pitfalls.
0: Uh, but I think this is a great concept. Well, you got Iona, Canisius. You got all uh, – you ran off of three or four. Yeah. Hofstra. I'm not sure if Binghamton – does Binghamton have football at this no. point? There you go. There's another one. You throw Binghamton in there.
1: That's if they want to – but they're not Division One basketball, are they? Yeah, they are. They are? Yeah. Where Rochester – is D3. Rochester D3. But Binghamton has D1 basketball. Yep. Uh then America East, right? Yeah,
0: I think so. All right, So, so. there you go. Problem solved, right? Craig Haley, write it up. We want to report back in about a week. <laughs> right. We Tell move. us
1: where we are wrong with this one
0: because again, <laughs> we have seen these teams have uh there's quality. St. John's. Yeah. There's had th- football. And there's quality. It's not like it's gonna be, you know, crap football. It's gonna be good. Like you said, you've listed off guys that are playing in the NFL out of pioneer on non scholarship football. There are guys that are D three non scholarship football that have played in the NFL and had great careers. Why can't it be? Why can't it work? Maybe Craig
1: can help us out with the financials of the situation of uh, why, you know, because even back then in the old Metro Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the MAAC, which is still around, I believe, in basketball. Still still a basketball conference. So, you know, you had the non-scholarship East Coast schools of St. John's, Kenichi's, Iona, Fairfield. Why did that stop? Right. You know, why did those teams drop? Was the cost of football – at the Division One level, too high, and maybe that's why a lot of teams don't do it at the Division One level. They do it at the Division Three level. Right. Um, Craig could really, really be a, a good help with that, but it can be done if those teams want to restart football. You know, again, St. John's. I think that's what helped out uh, Hofstra, Stony Brook, all these other schools with, with St. John's not having football. Yeah. That's D one talent now going to Wagner and. Stony and Hofstra, didn't Hoster drop that helped out Stony and yep so is there is there is there for the say it'll be interesting to see how uh you know how Craig responds to this and and to really dive into what actually was the true problem with that the the old Mac conference in the yep. uh in the up until the the, the early two
0: thousands and folks we want to hear from you too if you know, if yeah if you, you have, got uh, insight on it you know if you have insight on it if you have ideas for it if you think we're just absolutely crazy because we're going into this more than we should. <laughs> Say that, too. We don't care. Like, we want to hear your feedback. Feel free to comment wherever you hear this podcast, and uh, we, we'd love to hear it. But I think it's a, it's a significant option. I think it's a legitimate option for these schools that we talked about, and I think it's something that we could see in the future. I think it's a viable thing to look at. When we come back, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with the big games of the Pioneer League schedule. Some interesting uh, um, out-of-conference games in this, in this yeah. league. And then, as you said, it's all about balance and will anybody actually upset san diego i, I wonder if that's going to be your hot take oh it's a hot, it's a hot one it's a, it's, it's another uh baked Alaska the hot take it,
1: it's a july in in new orleans
0: hot Sh- should we turn off the sprinkler system hot take is that what is that what you're talking, telling me right now i would
1: i would do so <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be smoking in here
2: we'll be right back folks we'll have all of that after this quick commercial break so you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbro Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers. These are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19.
1: OCSB.com.
0: Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. David Hasigan here with the Czar of The Playbook. Emory Hunt. Um, again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of the previous podcasts from the Big Sky all the way to last week with the Patriot League, you can find it on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and you can listen to those on demand. Don't forget to search podcast, uh, football game plan in the podcast section and give us a five-star rating while you're over there. Emory, let's get into the schedule now for the Pioneer League. Um, some interesting out-of-conference games, though, um, in the Pioneer this year, As um, as I said before the break, and it really starts on the opening weekend, and uh, September 1st, Dayton at Robert Morris. Interesting concept there, and then Georgetown at Marist. Two intriguing games there.
1: Yeah, the Georgetown game, I'm not surprised, because uh, they always either play Marist or Campbell very early in the right. season. Because, uh, you know, again, considering what we just talked about prior to the break, non-scholarship Division One football, that's Georgetown. Yep. They match up well with the Pioneer League. Right. Um, so that's that's an interesting game. But what was
0: the first one? First one I had was uh, Dayton hosting Robert Morris.
1: That's an interesting one because of the new coach at Robert Morris. Right. And Robert Morris has a lot of talent on that team. Dayton had a lot of injuries last year. They dealt with, you know, and so that's going to be a really good game. That's yeah. actually the game I'm, I'm in interested to watch
0: yeah bernard clark the new coach uh taking over robert morris there so we'll see what he can do in his first game in charge that's gonna be a good game gonna be i think it's gonna be a good game another one that's gonna be a little under the radar here that i'm looking out for jacksonville at mercer we'll talk about mercer next week when we go into the socon but jacksonville again is one of these teams that you don't think about it but again they're an option ball team they're option they play option ball they were five and three last year they finished with seven wins could be a team that gives Mercer a little bit of trouble to start the year. And Mercer is
1: one of these teams that just like Campbell started non scholarship, right. moved up, added scholarships to the, you know, to the to the table and and has become competitive. Bobby Lamb is a great coach yeah. at Mercer. And stylistically, they, they are similar to what Jacksonville is. So that game may be an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah. As far as like with all the running that's gonna go on in that ball game, right? Yep. So that's going to be a good game. I have Drake at Montana on September 8th.
0: That's going to be an interesting ball game. That's- right,
1: because Drake coming off a of 7-4 season. Um, this is a team that, that want, you know, they won the last two games to close out the year. This could be a big game, or this is going to be a big game for them. We saw Montana just dismantle Valparaiso. I want to say either it was last year or a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. right? Um, so Drake is trying to do something that a pioneer football team hasn't done. You yeah. know they're trying to really n- shock a big dog. We saw San Diego do it, obviously, right. with, with Northern Arizona. You can consider them a big dog, but this is a blue blood program. And if uh, Drake can knock off Montana, man, or if Drake <sighs> can go out there and just you know this is this is a barometer game for Drake. Yeah, where you are as a program and how things are going
0: to be in the Patriot and the Pioneer League. Finished second last year with a six and two record, so they were not far away. Uh, let's talk about the big dog though in this conference. That San Diego, they got a it's an interesting schedule to start off with. They start. At home against western new mexico but then they're at uc davis and that's, at and at harvard two interesting ball games there and i think they could win both
1: well here here's why you might want to taper those
0: expectations just a little bit okay why uc davis is a good team though they i know they endorse nfl prospect i want I, i'm thinking i'm thinking that's going to be a good game that's, that's a be huge a good game. recruiting game that, too. That,
1: bingo that's where i was going with it i think that's a big recruiting game and also that could be – you're right. They may actually have a chance in that game because that is like the Cal Poly game. Yeah. You know, they have to win those games because recruiting. Now, coming all the way out east, we've seen them do it against Princeton. We've seen yeah. them do it against Georgetown, I believe. They don't care. They'll they'll come out east. Uh, Harvard should be much improved this year. Right. I will be interested in seeing how they do up front um, against Harvard. Right. That's where the, the right. challenge is. It's funny because one game I have is Davidson at Dayton, and it's September twenty second. Yep. Because that's Davidson's first Division one game.
0: I was about to, I was gonna I wanted to get your opinion on their first three games, home games with Brevard, Choan, and uh, Guilford. So, <laughs> so, they You know what? Are there any teams there that could provide a shock to Davidson, or are they going in three and zero into this game? Guilford. Guilford.
1: You know why? I. Uh, the head coach over there is phenomenal. I know I met him too, um, Coach Ruzwick. He uh, or Chavick. It's um,
0: shout, shout out to the Quakers by the uh, way. Yeah, great the Quakers. <laughs>
1: yeah, great name, great logo too. Uh, on my in my North Carolina yeah, to yeah, Virginia yeah. travels, I stopped at Guilford, um, and they they run the ball as well. So that's an interesting game. But you know, you should, Davidson could realistically be three and should
0: Be three and zero. Time, so now you – They could beat their record from last year in the first three weeks. And have
1: all the confidence going into that Dayton game.
0: Right. Talk so, about,
1: like, prime for a game yeah. of entry. Yeah. Now, if you're Davidson, you don't want to overlook anybody.
0: And Dayton had a down year, but they have—they had the second best total defense last season.
1: But imagine now uh, Davidson coming in starts undefeated. Four and 0. Starts <laughs> 4 uh 3-0, and, and now they got confidence and they go out there and say – you know, this is not the old Davidson. Where the new Davidson?
0: Scott Abel,
1: Lex Vegas is, is Scott Abel. We got it. What, what can we call it? We can't be Lex Vegas anymore, because uh, Davidson is in North Carolina, right? we'll have to come up with a new name for that offense. <laughs> i'm but sure
0: i'm sure he's wor- he's been working on that he as has to
1: he, be he has to have been working on it as soon as he took the job all right what all right, can i call this? all right i can't use lex vegas anymore <laughs> what
0: can i call this unless it's lex vegas goes south or something like that i don't know like
1: or Davidson vegas no 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 nah, it's now, it's now long. we're now, now we're just stretching Right. Yeah. Now we're just <laughs> but stretching. that's a good game i also have written down uh november uh, september 15th, stetson at presbyterian i had that to do reason being Stetson, despite being in Florida, there's two programs that start at the same time, I believe uh, Stetson and Florida Tech. Right. Now, Florida Tech went Division Two scholarship. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I want to say like 35, I believe 36, something like that, scholarships. But they started scholarship football. Davidson started non scholarship. Mm-hmm. But they're both within that Central Florida area. Yep. It's, now, Davidson does have a player that's on. Um, not Davidson. Stetson has Donald Payne, who is one of the best players in program history. Mm-hmm. He's playing for, I want to say, the Ravens. Um, I think so, yeah. No, he's not playing for the Ravens. No? He's playing for, it, maybe it's another team. I, I want to say he has, oh, Jacksonville. Oh, he's in Jacksonville. He's okay. In, he's in Jacksonville. So, that's an interesting game for Stetson because at some point you want to see Stetson turn this thing around. Like, yeah, we know that the talent is there, but why hasn't it taken off? Jacksonville, just up the road, non-scholarship, doing the same things, and and has been successful. Now, granted, they were cheating a little bit. Yeah. Um, the the, well, the allegations that they were cheating, um,
0: having players on scholarship, right right, 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 But I will say this: step one to that, change your logo. No they did. They no updated gonna, it. No one's going to be scared of a hat.
1: First of all, the Hatters is the one of the best. It's up it's there. It's a great nickname. Great but- nickname. Hello, <laughs> but that but they've upgraded their logo. I think the logo is fresh.
0: It it, it it's better. It's certainly better for sure. Um, it's still not going to be Mike McCarthy's Still not going to be a fan of, of Stetson. Stetson. He, <laughs> he just. I think he might despise that nickname more than anybody else. But shout um, out to their
1: basketball team too.
0: Yes. One other game on the non-conference schedule. Before we get into a couple of conference games, Valpo at Youngstown. Now I'm not saying that the Dude. Peng- I'm not saying that the Penguins are going to lay an egg. I'm just saying, if they don't take the game seriously, it could be closer than it's they expect. nice
1: play on words right there. I just caught that. Thank you. Penguins <laughs> do lay eggs, right? Yes, they do. Okay.
0: And then they hold them on their feet, I believe. I th- oh, wow. I think I'm remembering that from Animal Planet back in the day. But, again, it's an early in the season game. Valpo's got a very good defense. Youngstown's got a very good defense. This game could end up, three like, 10-7. But I'm just saying, Youngstown, don't sleep on Valpo in this game. What
1: game is going to end up 10-7?
0: Valpo, Youngstown State, because I think it's a trap. In the game. first
1: quarter, <laughs> I'm not saying Valpo is gonna get completely
0: obliterated, but I think they have a better defense than people think. You said it earlier the they have a better defense than people
1: Youngstown think. Youngstown is probably a national championship
0: contender, which is why they shouldn't sleep on Valpo. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. They okay. open with they do they open with Valpo or no? No. I don't believe so. I mean, Valpo. Uh,
1: right. That sounds like it's sandwiched in between, like
0: Valpo's first game is actually at Duquesne, which is an interesting game too.
1: Yeah, it's interesting.
0: But then they have Youngstown State, and then they have Truman State. Yeah. Truman State. But uh, no, that's actually that is Youngstown State's uh, third game. They've got Butler week one, then they're at West Virginia, and then after after the Valparaiso game, they're at Western Illinois. So I'm saying Youngstown,
1: Youngstown State could easily win the Pioneer.
0: Probably, but I'm also saying that I'm saying they got
1: two pioneer games.
0: It's a potential trap game. That's what I'm saying. You have West Virginia and Western Illinois on both sides.
1: Mm, maybe I, that's why they scheduled it like that. Not again. I'm not calling these teams cupcakes, but right. Youngstown State is a different animal. All
0: right, fair enough.
1: But I'll get it though. I, I get what you're saying about Valpo. I agree. Valpo is going to be much better.
0: Yes. Any any conference games that are going to be uh, are going to be big for you that you can see on the schedules.
1: Well, like I said, the Dayton and Davidson game is a big one for me because that that's that's huge. You know, I, I need for those guys to really. Uh, that's going to be a, a very interesting game.
0: I think Jacksonville versus Drake as well. That's going to be a, a pretty yeah. good game as well. Uh, and San Diego this year they play at Drake, who again finished second last year. So, is there a possibility there? Do you think? Do you think San Diego is on top of this conference at the end of the when it's all said and done?
1: It's going to be interesting because I think they have some pieces that they have to fill in defensively. Right. Uh, they were great last year, especially within the conference defensively. Um, but so was Drake. Right. And I think that's going to be the tell-all sign if if Drake's offense and and um, the the losses they have on defense doesn't hurt them uh, more so than San Diego. I think that's you can make a case that that's the battle for the top. I gonna right. you know there are probably four teams legitimately have a shot at the national not national but the <laughs> pioneer league championship <laughs>
0: drake's one of them
1: drake is one of them
0: i mean the they only had four losses last year and two of them were to the south dakota schools so you know they're gonna lose those they got hammered by pra- sydney pretty good but they had to travel so we'll mm-hmm. have to see how that translates over let's get into the hot takes though emery you said you had a flambe hot take for the pioneer league what is that hot take
1: all right, the hot take is going to be the Pioneer League will come down to San Diego and Valpo.
0: San Diego and Valpo? And Valpo. Your reasoning, sir. Valpo. <laughs> Your reasoning.
1: Defensively, like you said, eloquently throughout the podcast, Valpo defensively, especially with those linebackers. Yep. It's going to be good. Offensively, experience at the quarterback, a really good quarterback at that. Coaching. Got stability now with the extension. Program is on the uptick. Right. Valpo is, is, their arrow is shooting up. All bright neon green. I think they, and Campbell is now out of the mix. Right. I think Valpo has a chance to really charge up the rankings. Um, And this is going to come down to Valpo and San Diego.
0: That's the hot take. Let me ask you a question here since you know more about this process than I do, for the Walter Payton Award. How do they whittle down to the final three?
1: You know what? I have no clue, because there are some um, players that I thought would have been, uh, you know, obvious choices, right. right, to be in the final right, three, right. or you know, a couple years you thought Chase Edmonds would have won it. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what the process is. It's kind of like the Heisman.
0: You really don't know, because I will say this. Anthony Lawrence will be in the top five contenders for the Walter Payton. Okay.
1: That's a reasonable take
0: because he is smart with the football at three pick. Again, you said it looks like a misprint. Three interceptions last season while throwing 33 touchdowns. If he can put up those kind of numbers again with Ross Dwelly gone, he's clearly the difference maker on this team and he deserves the respect for that. So I think he is in the top five for the Walter Payton.
1: Now, that's a re- that could be a reasonable take.
0: Isn't a reasonable take though? Because it's the Pioneer League. People will say that's a f- you know flaming hot asteroid hitting the Earth. <laughs> <take.
1: laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Where did he was he was he in the top ten I, last year?
0: I have no clue. You said you don't, <laughs> you don't know the process. I don't know right. the process. So, so it's a, it's another secretive thing like the committee.
1: All right. I'll give you that as a hot take. I'll, I'll give you. I'll let you slide with that okay. one as a hot take.
0: All right. Fair enough. Fair oh, enough.
1: here's another one. Davidson will have a winning record. Really. Yes.
0: From winless in conference play to a so winning Six and five six and at least five. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can see where you're coming from though, because they,
1: they, they're gonna get three.
0: Those first three games
1: they they can win those three.
0: They beat Brevard last year, by the way, and they beat Guilford last year. It was with their two wins. So it's certainly there. they their other game in the middle was Western Carolina that season and not uh chilling, so
1: They're gonna they're gonna have a winning season.
0: And is that all because of Coach Abel's new game plan coming in? I think it is. Or is it because they have talent that just hasn't been tapped in yet?
1: It. They have talent. Coach Nichols did a great job recruiting, so they have talent. Now the offense, even they have some some smoking new helmets too. Mm-hmm. They. You know, it's like man, they look awesome.
0: It, and and it, you've said that before. It's all about the look. It is, man. The look starts everything starts the motion the
1: what the old saying is if you look good you you feel good you feel good you play good yep that's that's those uniforms
0: all right we'll see what we can let's see what we go from there the only
1: person the only team that really defies that uh is probably lehigh yeah kind of brown on brown i I think Mm. i think lehigh (laughs) was best when he had the 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 goldish helmets that yes. was the same color as yes. the pants Yes, the white helmets is oh yeah so yes, uh, yeah. but they, they defy logic
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes lehigh in a lot of ways defies logic yes. i mean let's be honest folks that's gonna wrap it up here for the pioneer league keep an eye out for um emory's takes on the pioneer he'll talk about recruiting obviously again a challenge with no scholarships to offer but Still, could I mean, we saw plenty of freshman talent this past season. Kids want to play
1: D1 football.
0: That's what it is. So he'll have all of that. He'll have his uh, all-conference team, his predictions for the Pioneer. He'll go through all of that. Next week, we move to the land of option football. So many option teams in the SOCON. The SOCON, which last year provided three top 25 teams in the FCS stats poll at the end of the season. Um, We saw a couple of programs that we're used to seeing at the top kind of slip. Chattanooga, I'm looking at you. You have a great nickname, the Mocs. Don't screw it up. Uh, So we'll talk about the SoCon. We'll talk about uh, coaching changes. We'll talk about uh, how, why option football thrives in the SoCon (laughs) as opposed to everywhere else. So we've got the SoCon coming up next week. We've got the Southland, the exact opposite of the SoCon (laughs) in terms of offense. Air it out, throw it 60 yards, and let somebody catch it. And then we've got uh, the final week. Two weeks from now, we're gotten to our last conference. Yeah, the SWAC. Two weeks from now, we're down to the SWAC, and then in three weeks' time, folks, it's kickoff time. It's almost here. We're about a month away from the first games of the college football season in FBS and FCS. It's hard to believe, but we'll have a f- again. We'll have a full breakdown. We're gonna hopefully have a whiteboard in here. We're gonna see. We're gonna break
1: down. The, we're gonna get everybody involved.
0: We're gonna count. Down, we're gonna count back on uh, all the previous podcasts and see how many teams Emory predicted to get into the playoffs. From, yeah, we got to do that from this conference. So. It's probably over forty. <laughs> so uh, I, I just want to be clear, though. One team getting out of the Pioneer for the playoffs this year? Yes, yeah, one. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure that that was that was clear because if, again, if you've gone any further than that, now nah, we
1: were to introduce the football game plan. Uh, bowl series. Then you
0: have Drake would have made a bowl game. Drake would have made a bowl game. There you Drake go. Drake would have made a bowl game. Jacksonville would have made a bowl game. Falpo, Butler they would have both made bowl games. Campbell <laughs> would have made it.
1: Everybody's a winner. <laughs> you get
0: a bowl game and you get a bowl game. Everybody anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, we'll talk about the SoCon next week. Well, Wofford uh, Mike Ayer's going into his thirtieth season in charge of the Wofford Terriers. We'll see if he can. Uh, no, he's retired. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's go, he's retired. Right, Josh yeah. Con- Josh Conklin. The new head man, he still has uh, Wade Lang, though, in his 31st season at offensive coordinator. So, if there is a constant there for Wofford. The, uh, the oh, they're going to get
1: the option. The, option is, that, that, the that option, option is not going away. The option is going to get run.
0: So, we'll talk about Wofford. We'll see if the Terriers can uh, continue their prowess in this conference. Sanford and Mercer challenged last year. Furman was right there. Chattanooga slipped. Can they come back? Will the Citadel be a factor? Another option team. Will the Citadel be a factor? We'll talk all about that next week. As for this week, again, keep an eye out on YouTube. Keep an eye on um, footballgameplan.com for all of your Pioneer knowledge. Um, surprise your friends with the one person, you know, with the couple players that get moved to the NFL every year with the Pioneer. Um, Emery, thanks so much as always for paddling in on this rainy morning. Hopefully, we can get <laughs> to our cars without a canoe. And, uh, folks, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.